Amen. But we're glad to be here tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with us to the book of Joshua. I have a message from the Lord tonight and hope and praying that it will encourage and bless your heart. You that are here. Famous last words of a Baptist preacher. I'll be brief. <laughs> but I've been informed Colombo comes on here in about an hour, so we'll let you out by the time to get home to see Colombo this evening. But the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 23 of the book of Joshua, And it came to pass a long time after that, that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. Joshua called for all of Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age, and you have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto you all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. I like that. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And you shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Be ye therefore very courageous. Oh, take note of that, church. God help us to be courageous in these last evil days. To keep all, or to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand nor to the left. That you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. Notice verse number 8. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as you have done unto this day. I'm preaching tonight on this thought, is there not a cause? Let us pray. Father, we sure thank you for the heaven-bought privilege we've had today to be in your house, to worship God with your people. What a blessing. Lord, you've blessed us today. Been so good, so gracious, and so kind, so long-suffering, and so merciful to us. Of course, that's no newsflash. You're that to us every day. We thank you for the goodness of God, for indeed the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance Thank you for the Lord Jesus this evening, for what he means to us and all that you've done for us, for every blessing you've bestowed upon us in this life, and, and Lord, most of all, for the blessing that's greatest of all, and that is salvation in Jesus Christ, whereby we were made whole <laughs> through him. Thank God. Good to be saved tonight. Good to know the Lord. Good to be back home at Woodland. Lord, we love our home church. We thank God for it, pray for it every day, for this dear man of God. As he ministers here at Woodland, Lord, how you're blessing this place and ask you to continue to and give thy servant grace and strength, the power of God, the unction of the Lord to function for the glory of God and the praise of our wonderful Lord. Now we need your help and always have and always will. Please allow us and permit us to preach for a few moments from this passage. 
be a help and encouragement, Lord, to this, our dear pastor, and to his people this evening. For it be one among us who's lost and undone without God, it would be our prayer that this day they would realize their sinful state, where they are, oh God, and where they need to be. May they receive Christ. May hearts be encouraged. May all the sick be granted healing in the courts of your will. Bless us now and encourage us and help us this day. For Christ's sake, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, for my title of sermon, you probably thought I may have been taken, may have taken my text from 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And it was David's statement, if I memory holds me well, in verse number 29, he made this statement, is there not a cause? Well, I got to reading that, and I'd preached from that passage before, but that, I thought to myself, well, that's a great title for a sermon. Amen. And in our passage, we find here a servant of God and a soldier, of course, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ has aged. We all can relate to that, especially me. I'm two years older than baseball. He had gotten older. We all get Of course, I like having, birthday, having birthdays. I told my church, I hope I, and pray I have enough birthdays. I have to have our air compressor to blow the candles out. All of us want to go to heaven, but we're not in a hurry to get there. Amen. But he's very much aware, this soldier of Christ, of his age, and as well as the age of the others who have served the Lord with him for many years. He knew that there were more days behind him than they were ahead of him. Known also was the generation, according to the scriptures, behind him, who had not, had not witnessed those miracles and marvels that his generation had witnessed. In this passage and in the preceding chapter, if you care to read that later, Joshua reminds them the God they serve is still able. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God is still able in 2021. His power has not diminished his power has not depleted. His power has never been deleted, amen. There's no power like the power of God. There's certainly still a cause today, and I want to bring three things before your attention tonight, hoping that it'll be a blessing to your heart. First of all, uh, there's a cause for concern. Secondly, I noted a cause for challenge and then a cause for covenant as well. Father, bless your word again for the glory of God. Praise of our wonderful Lord in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, there's a cause for concern. Joshua sees a change in Israel. And my friends, it wasn't a positive change that Joshua was seeing. There's only two types of change, and it's either a negative change or a positive change. I'm afraid this evening that we see a change today in church. Amen. And I'm fearful as well that it's not a positive change, but more so a negative change. And that, to me, is cause for 
concern. As a minister of Jesus Christ, I believe that all men of God who generally are called of God to preach God's word to God's people for the glory of God, there's cause for concern within the church of our day that we're living in. First of all, there's a fact of complacency. That simply means self-satisfaction. Oh, that's a bad place to be for a child of God. If we ever get to the point and place that we become self-satisfied with who we are and where we are for God, we're, we're treading on some dangerous ground as the people of God. You see, Joshua, in fact, had feared Israel, had taken God for granted. Oh, my. God forbid we ever take the Lord for granted. My, he's done so much for us, as has been noted in our songs this evening. The goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God. The fact that he's long-suffering, he's not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why, but for the grace of God, we could have died in our sin and wound up in hell this evening. But because of God's grace, we're alive and well and been so under this good hour, uh, sitting in a beautiful church, uh, enjoying one another's fellowship, enjoying the blessings of God, amen, along the way. What a blessing that is. I hope and pray we don't take our God uh, for granted, but I'm fearful that we're there today uh, within many of those in Christendom. Now, there's two devastating sins of the church this afternoon, and that is, as I said, complacency, which also entails the fact that there's no concern. Oh, my. If God's people are not concerned, pray tell me, who's going to be concerned? You think Washington is concerned today? You think Biden is concerned today? I doubt it, amen. I doubt very seriously that he's very much concerned about the situation of the church today. Matter of fact, he'll probably be praying for us. But you know the second problem and something else as well, this devastating apathy. Apathy. God's people, Israel, had become apathetic. So not only was there no concern due to complacency, there was no care because of apathy. And those are two devastating sins that can literally destroy a Christian's life and will ultimately destroy the church as well. Amen. The truth is, if we do something uh, we know is wrong, it's not only a sin. In reality, we've also committed a form of compromise. Amen. So it's dangerous uh, to be a in a state of compromising. So it's a fact of complacency and the fear of compromise that Joshua had. But he also had a failure of commitment. Oh, my. Lord, have you ever seen a day and hour that we're living that there's no commitment anymore? What, what happened to the days when God's people were totally committed to God? My Lord, they can take church, Brother Tim, or they can leave it. And that's not the way it ought to be. Why, Lord, years ago you couldn't drag people out of church. Now you can't hardly drag them into church. Amen. 
That's a sad state to be in, but I'm afraid the majority of churches are like that today. There's a failure of commitment. Why marriages don't work, there ain't no commitment. Why people can't stay on the job, there ain't no commitment. Why people can't, preacher has to beg and prime and pump people to do anything for God, because there ain't no commitment. That's what's wrong, amen. And I'm preaching to myself, and I preach the same thing uh, to my church that I'm preaching tonight. Amen? It's the truth. There's a failure of commitment. Israel had failed uh, to commit, uh, and I'm talking about total commitment, uh, to the Lord. I, I gather that and glean that from this phrase that he said in verse number 8, uh, uh, cleave uh, to the Lord. If we've ever needed to cleave uh, to our Lord, it's in these last days uh, uh, that we're living. Can I have an Amen. I'm convinced uh, this evening that it's not that Christians can't commit. You see, we're not called on to do anything that God, that God will not enable us to do. So it's not the fact that we can't commit. Uh, I believe it's the fact that we will not uh, commit. There's a difference, amen, uh, for sure. And that seems to be the situation that Israel was in. And I'm fearful that uh, a lot of the church, I'm not talking about every church, amen, but I'm talking about every Christian, but there are some uh, that are like this today. And that is evident by church attendance, amen. Now, I know, I know we're still in a COVID situation. I understand that. Uh, if there's anything probably that's devastated, uh, churches is this virus that has went around and many have become sick and many have even left this life because of, and I'm not minimizing that, I understand that very well, but what happened with those before the COVID came? <laughs> I'm trying to say to this evening, uh, what, what was wrong before COVID came? Uh, I'm afraid it may have given some an altogether maybe a good excuse uh, uh, why they can't come, uh, why they can't commit, uh, why they can't be faithful to the church. You say, why do I have to be faithful to the church? Because you're supposed to be faithful to God. That's why. We're supposed to be faithful to God. We say, quote, unquote, faithful to church. But you realize you're being faithful to God when you're faithful to your church? Amen. So there's a failure of commitment. And I guess that's enough for that particular point. So we see there's a cause for concern. There's a cause also for challenge. I like Joshua. He didn't just tell them what the problem was. He challenged them to do something about their problem. Amen. And that's what we need to do. If, if God lays his finger somewhere on our heart concerning something that we need to look into and take care of, you see, it's then and there our responsibility is uh, to do what we need to do. We're challenged to do what God has commanded us to do. And we certainly want to do that for the glory of God. But there's a cause for challenge here. Joshua conveys here some considerations. And these considerations in our text are not just a challenge, but as well for correction. The Word of God is powerful, amen. It is powerful than any two-edged sword, amen. The Bible says it cuts even into the myra of the bone, amen. So it's for correction, and it might hurt uh, as it cuts, but I'm telling you, it doth like a medicine. Uh, it will make us better. Amen. 
It will make us better if we line up with what God has commanded us and told us to do. Amen? This has been said before, but as long, uh, uh, along with our choices this evening, always consequences are going to come. Now, these consequences will either be one or the other. They'll be positive or they'll be negative. Amen. First of all, he conveys God's wrath. Much is said about God's love, and I preach God's love and never be able to preach and do it any, with any justice whatsoever. And surely we should preach God's love. Amen. It's commendable, it's admonishable uh, to preach the love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I believe that's verse 18, if my memory holds me well. I believe in preaching the love of God. Amen. We preach God's holiness tonight, and we certainly should. Amen. And there is such a thing as holy indignation. As a child of God, I have that. I have that regarding our country. I have that regarding all that's taking place in our world and in our nation today. We are certainly filled this evening with holy indignation in the direction that our nation continues to go. Amen. We're being literally eaten up from within. Amen. And sin. And that's the way it does. It destroys from within. But God here includes in the scripture, I believe, is a wrath. He talks about the wrath of God being upon those who are disobedient. There's chastisement to his children. I thank God for that. I'm sure most of us, if we'd be honest, we've probably been to the woodshed a time or two as a child of God. It's not a pleasant time for that to happen, but all the benefits that are afterward when we line up are certainly far better than the results of what we were doing beforehand. Amen? Oh, indeed it is. Thank God for the chastising of our wonderful Lord. We remember something this evening. Obedience renders blessing. Amen. You want to be blessed? Be obedient. Obedience, the Bible says, better than sacrifice. If you want to be blessed, be obedient. But disobedience renders blistering. You take that to the bank. God will blister his begotten, amen, if they're disobedient. And I thank God for it. So he conveys God's wrath, but he also conveys God's works, amen. And I'm conscious of the time this evening. In verses 3 through 5, he reminds them of God's greatness, amen, unto them. Oh, my. However, we need to be reminded of God's greatness. How great God is. I like the old song, How Great Thou Art. Ah, we've got a wonderful, great God today. Amen. We need to be reminded of his greatness. And remembering this, I believe in itself, will challenge us and would challenge Israel here as Joshua speaks to them to remember God's goodness. I was just re recently reminded 
today of God's goodness. Amen. And we need not forget the goodness of the Lord. And I was also reminded as well of my responsibility to be good as well. Amen. To do what God has certainly commanded me to do. And I want to do that for the glory of God. Church, I want to challenge you tonight to consider Christ. Amen. I believe if we'll ever keep him in the rightful place and position that he's supposed to occupy, then certainly we will live above reproach. Now, I didn't say live perfect. There's not a man, no, not one, nor a woman, by the way, that's ever lived in perfection. But, but Jesus Christ certainly did, and we know he did uh, for sure. But remember also his love, as we mentioned, but remember his life that he lived and his death for us. I'd rather forget my name uh, than forget those things that I just mentioned this evening. I want those things to ever be in the forefront of my mind. Amen. I think that'll keep us, help us keep us where we need to be uh, for the glory of God. Amen. Also, remember our sorrowful state and our sin before we were saved. Yet God calls and God cleanses and God converts and God changes us. We sit here as children of God uh, this evening because we've been changed. There's been a transformation that took place when God came into our heart. He made us a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, thank God. I care not to go back for the life that I lived before that I was saved. Actually, I got, really got nothing to go back to. I didn't have nothing, nowhere to put it before I got saved. Now I got everything, praise God. If you got Jesus, you got everything. This world's got that all backwards. They think if you got the world's riches. If you got houses, you got land, you got money in the bank, amen, then you've got it all. My friend, you ain't got nothing if you ain't got Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. I'd rather have Jesus, amen, live in a shack uh, somewhere uh, near a branch and drink muddy branch water and, and eat fried rabbit tracks and have Jesus and then have filet mignon every night, amen. Praise the Lord. I'd rather have the Lord. Had you, Brother Tim? Thank God. Amen. I'd rather have him than anything I know. But Joshua conveys God's works, God's will, of course, God's wrath. But he also conveys God's witness. And I'm trying to hurry. Colombo will be on. They couldn't have it both ways. And you know, a lot of people within the church today, they think that that's possible. They can have it both ways. My friend, it's not Burger King religion, as many people have. We can't have it our way, amen? It's God's way or no way, amen? Praise the Lord. There was the great God of glory, amen? And there was, of course, the little G-gods of Canaan. And Joshua was fearful that Israel would cater or go after these false gods that were in the land of Canaan that God had given to them as they were conquering these people and, and partaking of the land that, that God had so promised and provided by provision for his people. And Joshua was fearful uh, that they would take a hold of these little G gods and forget the God of glory, their great God. But some people today think they can have it their way. They can hold on to to the gods of this world in one hand and then hold on to the holy hand of God in the other. My friend, it don't work like that. 
It never has and it never will. Amen. They think within themselves everything's going to turn out all right uh, when the scales are weighed. Uh, amen. They'll balance out and I'll get to go in. Uh, my friend, it don't work like that either. Amen. That sounds good, but it's just not so. Uh, if you listen to some of these well-known preachers today, they'll tell you, you're all right. They'll uh, scratch your back, tickle your ear, and tell you uh, that you're doing all right. Uh, I'm not going to make you mad. Uh, I'm not going to make you feel bad when you come to church. I want everybody to feel good when they leave my church. <laughs> Amen. That's hogwash. I'm glad the preacher preached my salvation message that day was concerned about how good I might feel. Amen. I was feeling pretty bad about myself before I ever got there. I knew what I was. I didn't need to be told how good I was or how, how that spark of divinity is going to spur up and cause a fire. Hogwash. Amen. Ain't nothing good about us. Nothing but good about us this evening but Jesus. Amen. Now that's the truth. Oh, my. That persuasion renders a rude awakening, my friend. I'm glad I know the truth this afternoon, and the truth has made me free. It's not only made me free, thank God, it's set me free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Yes, indeed. God's witness is crystal clear. Amen. Although some never see the truth. Oh, how sad. How sad that is not to see the truth. But not only is there calls for concern and there's calls for challenge, but lastly this evening, there's calls for covenants. Amen. Along with these reminders here in our text, we find there's uh, a renewal. A renewal. That's important. Revival and, of course, renewal going hand in hand. If there's, re if there's no revival, there'll be no renewal, that's for sure. But they are reiterated, and I would reiterate those as well in our lives this evening. And in compliance, of course, with this covenant that Joshua reminds them that they have entered into with God. We, of course, the church of Jesus Christ, have as well entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to honor that covenant. Uh, you rest assured that Christ will honor his end of the covenant. There's never been a problem with that uh, part of the covenant being altered or unrendered. The, the problem lies within our ability or our, our, our keeping up our end of the bargain, so to speak. But there are a couple of things that happen here in our text. First of all, a great stone. <laughs> a great stone was erected, I find here uh, in our text. In chapter 24 and verse number 6, Joshua does two things. He wrote the words uh, here that he had spoken to the people uh, in the book of the law of God. And then secondly, there's a great stone that is set up. Now, this is in signification uh, for a monument and a memorial to the Lord. And the reason they're doing this, because the people have said of themselves uh, to Joshua, they literally swore unto him that they would follow the Lord. Oh, my, now that's, that's a wonderful statement. 
And we need to do that. I, I just couldn't help but think of those that made that statement, uh, and they've not, they're not uh, keeping up the end of the bargain. Amen. They're not uh, following the Lord. If we're following the Lord, uh, then we're going to follow him uh, to the house of the Lord. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. So a great stone is erected, but also some gravestones are evident. Gravestones are evident. From the latter verses of that chapter, we see there's three funerals. In verse 29, we mention, of course, Joshua's funeral. Of course, he was pastor. He was the leader. He took over when Moses went home to be with the Lord. And he did his fulfillment in time, of course, as Israel's leader. He continued to lead them into the promised land that God had promised them. Amen. He was a pastor, a great pastor indeed, a leader of God's people. But then we find Joseph as well in verse number 32. Remember, Joseph had, had, had asked to be his bones to be removed when God delivered Israel from Egypt. And they did just exactly that. They had the bones of Joseph. And once they reached the promised land, of course, he would be buried. And that's exactly what they did. Now, Joseph would be called provider. Remember how he provided not only for Egypt during those years of famine, but he also provided for God's people. It was God's way of taking care of his people, of certainly making possible that that providence, uh, the plan of God, his people would be uh, uh, prepared and would be preserved. You know, as a people this evening, we too are preserved. We've been preserved by God, and we've been prepared of God as well uh, for that place that we're one day going to partake of, and we thank God for it. But there's also a third uh, funeral as well, and that was the funeral of Eliezer. We know him uh, to be the priest. Now, he sacrificed for God's people. So all three of these funerals were very important uh, symbols here uh, that were erected, stones were erected in representing uh, these people and what God had done uh, by his hand through his people who ministered unto Israel at that time. But as I thought about these gravestones being evident, there's a couple of things I noticed as well that they were symbolic of. First of all, I believe they were a symbol of faithfulness. Oh my, symbol of faithfulness. Joshua's gravestone spoke of God's faithfulness to his people. But it also spoke as well of the servant's faithfulness to God. Joshua was faithful. He would not have been in a position that he was in had he not been faithful to God. He was faithful to God's man Moses. And therefore he was faithful to God. And God uh, give uh, uh, Joshua the reins, so to speak, to finish the task that God had given Moses concerning the people of Israel. I'm telling you, church, you say, what's that have to do with me? It has a lot to do with me, and it has a lot to do with you as well. If you want to progress in the family of God and in the work of God, you've got to be faithful. There's got to be that element of faithfulness to God if we expect God to ever use us for the glory of God. Amen. 
What about our faithfulness tonight? I can't speak for you, nor can you speak for me, but what about our faithfulness? How faithful are we uh, to God this evening? Are we as faithful as we were when we first got saved? Are we less faithful today, or are we more faithful today when God first saved us? We ought to be more faithful today uh, than we were when we first got saved. Amen? We ought to be more faithful. Amen. God help me, amen, I want to be faithful, I believe, I believe that's one of the crowns, if I'm not mistaken, I've, correct me if I'm wrong, Brother Tim, but I think there's a crown for faithfulness. Lord, let me, one of these days, I've said my church, I'm going to preach on the crowns, amen, if the Lord let me do that, but there's a crown of faithfulness. Just be faithful to God, amen. The devil will tell you, well, Lord, you can't do nothing. You ain't nothing. You ain't never done nothing. You never will do nothing. Don't listen to that liar, amen. I don't care what we can't do. We can be faithful. That's one thing we can do. There's not a one of us tonight that cannot be faithful, amen. We can be faithful to God. So it was a symbol of faithfulness. But I think, secondly, it was a symbol of fulfillment as well. We all remember Joseph, uh, how that he was uh, one of the greater pictures, I believe, the Old Testament pictures of Christ that we have in our entire Bible. Oh, what a man of God he was. We mentioned him already, how he was a provider for his people. But we conclude that he, that he was prophet, of course, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 24, verses through 26, because on his deathbed, and I made mention, I think, of this already, he made a prophetic uh, prediction when he said, you shall carry my bones from hence. And certainly that took place, as I've mentioned a moment ago. So we've fulfillment here. Israel came out of Egypt, and so did Joseph's bones, and he was buried. When God saved you, my friend, you came out of Egypt. Egypt in Scripture is always a, a, certainly a reference to sin. Oh, yes, God saved our soul from sin, but he not only just didn't save a soul from sin, he saved a life uh, from sin. Oh, my, I, I was living a sinful life uh, before God found me, amen. I, I wasn't looking for the Lord, but I thank God he was looking for me, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad he found me. I, I, people say, well, I found the Lord. I, I don't believe we find the Lord. I believe the Lord finds us. The Lord ain't never been lost. We're the ones been lost. We're the ones that need to be found. I'm glad God found us tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it's a symbol of fulfillment as well. But then finally and lastly, and I know you're ready to say amen, it's a symbol of finality, and I guess it'll be final. Amen. Praise the Lord. You get home in time for Colombo. The gravestone of this priest speaks of finality. So to speak, I guess we could say the changing of the guard. That's very important. We all know at the tomb of the unknown soldier there in Washington, we've been there. Many of you probably witnessed that. They change those guards. And you could be there all day and talk to him if you could get close enough to him. And he would not utter one word. Matter of fact, if you got him to even look at you, 
you'd be accomplishing something. It's just not going to happen. He is fixed upon that tomb, and he is obedient there until the one that comes to relieve him. In other words, the changing of the guard. One of these days, child of God, it will come our time for changing of the guard. Brother Tim has mentioned some here, members of the church, that have left this life. There are going to be some funerals this week. That's what's going on. There's a changing of the guard. As we live, of course, prior to the coming of our Lord, we may be alive when the Lord comes. I personally hope we are. I hope, I hope he come tonight. Amen. I'm looking for him to come. I hope and pray that he will. But if he don't come in my lifetime, I realize there's going to be a changing of the guards. Amen. Old timers, of course, uh, we run our race. And it's time for the next generation to take their particular position, to grab the mantle, to get up and go uh, for God. Our time to serve, my friend, is now. Right now. Actually, this day is actually the first day of the rest of your life. It is. We don't know how many more tomorrows we're going to have. It's not really what we've done in the past, and we're going to be rewarded for all that we do for God. I'm not saying that, but I think we should keep our focus on what lies ahead, however long that's going to be, and do more for God, be more for God than we've been in the days that have passed us by. You say, preacher, is that possible? I think it's possible. I, I don't think it's possible or probable. I think it's positive. I think it is positive for us as the people of God to be that. Our life is short this evening. So what are you doing? What are you doing tonight? I'm going to leave that thought with you as we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, gracious.